I put a title on the message this morning, A Closer Walk with God. Now, here's the thing. Everybody in this room wants a closer walk with God. In one sense, that's why you're here on a Sunday morning, because you want a closer walk with God. You know, even if you are at the highest point in your Christian life, you still want more. Because he's infinite, and there's always more to be had. There's always more to be had in this relationship. So we want a closer walk. All our other relationships point towards that need in our lives for that closer walk with God, to enjoy him more, to enjoy his presence, to enjoy my relationship with him more. Now, last week, uh, what we did is we looked at Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 6 and those verses where it talks about uh, us separating from the world. And I want you to catch it. Separation is an important doctrine in the Bible, but separation has a purpose. It's separation unto God. It's so that we can have more of him. I turn my back on things, not because I want to be holy and pious, but because I'm turning to him. I want more of him. Sometimes religion paints a very poor picture of what the relationship we can have with God. God wants you to have a sweet relationship with him. Did you know that God wants you to enjoy him? Do you know that God delights in you? Isn't that amazing? That God actually, that he joys over you, the Bible says, with singing. Isn't that strange? God wants a relationship with you. Draw nigh to me, and, and I will draw nigh unto you, he says to you. God wants that sweet relationship. He wants more and more of you. And if we would... If we could just turn our Christianity on its end and not look at it as though it were religion, whereby I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to do the other, but turn it to the place where I see, no, I get to have a relationship with him. I want that relationship with him. And I don't want any of these things in my life that are going to hinder that relationship with him. I want the sweetness that it's possible to have. You see, you and I were made for that relationship. We're made to walk with him in that sweet, blessed relationship that satisfies the deepest needs of our souls. That's what we're made for. We're made to walk with him in that relationship. And apart from that relationship, we can never be satisfied. But there are some things that get in the way. And we have to look at those things that get in the way Not as friends, because they're not. They're enemies. They're enemies that we need to get rid of because we got something much better going on. We got the sweet relationship with him. Let's read our verse. It's just one verse this morning. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Father, would you bless us now, Lord? We're looking to you uh, to work in our hearts. We're looking to you to overturn the lies and the deceits that would keep us attached to the world and to help us to see all that we can have in you and to help us to have a holy hatred of sin in our lives, Lord, and want to get rid of it, want to remove it. Oh, Lord, would you bless? Would you help us to see beyond the pain into the joy and the sweetness of relationship that we can have in Jesus' precious name? Amen. All right. First this morning, we have a promise, right? It says, wherefore, 
our promise is, uh, having therefore these promises. Well, our promise we, we have just gone through last week. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. God says, come out from among them, be ye separate, and I will be a father unto you. He's talking relationship there. He's talking sweet, intimate, close relationship. He's talking about you and him being together. Understand that. That's what God wants for your life. That God wants this sweet relationship with you. That Jesus went to the cross, not just so that you could have your sins forgiven and go to heaven. Jesus went to the cross so that you could be reconciled to your heavenly Father, that you could enjoy relationship with him, and he could enjoy relationship with you. That's the plan. That's what God wants to do in your life. F.B. Meyer says this. He says, God still walks the world in those who love him and are wholly yielded to his indwelling. The loneliest spirit finds him to be father, mother, brother, sister. What an incentive to cleanliness, not only of the flesh, but of the spirit. But the loneliest spirit finds him to be father, mother, brother, sister, all. You know, the world can be an awfully lonely place. It can be a lonely place even in the midst of people. It can be a lonely place even in the midst of church. It can be a lonely place even in relationships. The world can be a very lonely place. Do you know that it was made so? Do you know that God made it so that this world couldn't satisfy you? Do you know that he made it so that the relationships in your life would not ultimately satisfy you? If the relationships in your life could ultimately satisfy you, you wouldn't need God. And so he made it that they won't. Those relationships will always leave you with a lack, with a longing, will always leave you seeking him. That's what he's doing. So, you know, I remember reading a, a plaque that somebody wrote, and it said this, that your loneliness is God's call to fellowship. That when you feel lonely, what God is saying is, I want to fellowship with you. I want to enjoy your presence. I want you to enjoy my presence. God wants that fellowship. He wants that relationship with you. He wants you to draw near to him. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith that we're to draw near to him. But also says this, it says, Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, we want intimacy with God. And it doesn't take long to convince us that we all know there's a lack In fact, you know, usually some part of you coming to Christ was was the lack in your life. You just weren't satisfied. It's amazing how many different ways we can actually interpret that and talk about that. But in our lives, there's a lack. There's there's something missing. There's there's ultimately a loneliness. There's something more that we want. There's There's the asking the question, is this all there is? Is this all there is? Well, no, it's not all there is. There's more. There's that relationship with him. But the thing about it is that when it comes to that relationship with him, we're only going to enjoy that relationship in as much as we're willing to put away our relationship with sin. And, you know, foolish children that we are, even after we're saved, we still kind of want our friendship with sin. We still kind of want some things in our lives. I mean, we're very often deceived into thinking we have to have them. But we want those things in our lives, and we want to hold on to those things in our lives. You see, some seek intimacy with God uh, while they play in the world, and it's impossible. 
He's a jealous God. Now, don't get me wrong. God's not, God's not a stern taskmaster who watches over you, waiting for you to fail so that he can exact punishment, retribution on you. He's not like that. God loves you and desires you and wants you for himself and wants that sweet relationship with you, and he watches over you because when sin comes in, it puts between you and him. Now, why does it put between you and him? Because God is too holy, the Bible says, to look on sin. It's, 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 he can have nothing to do with sin. So that when you and I sin, when you and I allow sin to control our lives, when we allow sin into our lives, it stops the sweet fellowship. doesn't stop your salvation. If you're saved this morning, you're saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. You're saved. Listen, all, he, it was all on him. All you did was come to the place where you trusted what he did. It right? doesn't change your relationship with him. You're still his son. But it changes your fellowship with him. Because he can't look on sin. He is a Holy Spirit. He can't allow sin to be part of the deal. And so often we kind of trundle through our lives and we want sin to be okay and to be part of it, but there's always a price tag on sin. Sometimes we think, well, if I sin, uh, <clears throat> God will deal with me and I'll, I'll get smushed. No, that's not what's going to happen. What happens is when you sin, God withdraws because he's grieved, because he's hurt. You, you affect your fellowship with him when you sin. Now, here's the thing. You want that fellowship. You want that relationship. It's in you to want it. There's a loneliness. There's a need. It's in every one of us. We want that, that, that relationship. We want that fellowship. Well, if we're going to have that fellowship and that relationship, we need to square up to this issue of sin and, and deal with it. We need to square up to it, and we need to deal with it. Look, look what our... <clears throat> the next part of the verse says. It says, uh, we should cleanse ourselves. <clears throat> Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Now, it's interesting here. The Bible story is largely, we can't deal with sin, that God's going to deal with sin. But there are several times when God says, let us cleanse ourselves. Um, uh, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says that you put off, concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, what's it talking about there? Is it God or is it us? Well, it's actually both. See, here's the thing. God's not going to do anything in your life against your will even cleanse you from sin. He's not going to do it. He wants you to cooperate with him in doing it. Now, the reality is we're not able. We don't have the ability to have victory over sin in our lives. We don't have the ability to do it God's way. He knows that, but he wants your cooperation. He wants you to seek cleansing. He wants you to want it. He wants you to put off the old man. Did you know that the old man doesn't fall off after you get saved? Wouldn't you, couldn't you wish it does? And, <clears throat> yeah, I remember getting saved, kneeling by my bed, getting saved, uh, and waking up the next morning, and I was saved. I knew I was saved. I knew I was going to happen. But you know what? I still have a sin nature. I, I, I just wish I'd woken up the next morning and it was all gone. And I was perfect, and I, uh, I walked with him in true holiness all the rest of my days. But that's not the way it happens. God wants you to cooperate with him. 
Now, I've known victories in my life, but you know, the victories I've known in my life are where I've come to the place where I wanted it. And what happens really when we have victory in our lives, it's, it's this. We, we come to the place where we want it, where we, we don't want the sin, where we want him more than we want sin. And, and we're willing to actually get rid of sin, but we're not able. And the Holy Spirit steps in and says, listen, if you're willing, I have the power. I can enable you to do it. And when we say yes, and when we go his way, he gives us victory over sin. You see, we have a full salvation. We don't have the kind of salvation that kind of is half-baked. We don't have the kind of salvation, you know, where God said to you, okay, now you're saved. You better live right and do right. Because he knows we're not able. We have a full salvation. We have the Holy Spirit come to indwell us to enable us to live the victorious life we just sung about. God has given us that power, but we need to cooperate with him. We need to yield to him. We need to get involved with him. Clark wrote this. He says, How can those expect God to purify their heart who are continually indulging their eyes, their ears, and hands in what is forbidden and in that which tends to increase and bring into action all the evil propensities of the soul? How can you enjoy a fellowship with a holy God if you continue to indulge in sin? That doesn't make sense, does it? And yet, so often we long for it on the one hand, and on the other hand we excuse sin in our lives, and we think somehow we can hide the one and have the other. It can't be done. It just can't be done. Now, I'm not saying you have got to personally get rid of it all because you can't. But when the Holy Spirit comes to you and says to you, this is wrong, what's your response? Is your response to defend yourself? Is your response to uh, justify your sin? Is your response to, to, to say what a small sin it is and how other people get away with it and oh, what's he picking on you for? Or is your response to say, okay, Lord, if it grieves you, I don't want it. I want it gone. I'm walking away from it. I don't want it in my life. Because when you do that, the Spirit of God steps in with his power and enables you to get rid of it. Do you know why we countenance sin in our lives? Because we want to. See, we're, we're freed people. The Bible says sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law but under grace. Sin doesn't have power over you. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he not only paid the penalty for your sin, but he broke the power of sin in your life. And it doesn't have power over you anymore unless you give it power. Unless you let it have power in your life. It doesn't have power in your life. And you see, he says, I want you to cleanse yourself. I want you, I want you to value your relationship with me so much that you're willing to walk away from sin for me. And if you do that, I will swing in there. I will be a father to you. I will take care of you. I will meet that need in your soul. I will give you that relationship. And you know, if I ask you how many of you want that relationship, everybody in the room, their hand goes up. Why wouldn't you want that? Who, 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 Who in the right minds wouldn't want a relationship with God? But if I ask you how many of you are willing to really walk away from all the sin in your lives, there would be a difference in the number of hands that went up, wouldn't there? You see, we kind of want to hold on to sin in our lives, and you can't. 
See, the Bible says this. The Bible says that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Do you know why you have a problem with sin in your life? Because you give in to it instead of giving in to God. It's not a case of, well, I don't have the willpower to do it. God knew you didn't have the willpower. That's why he put his Holy Spirit in you. He has the power if you have the will. If you want it, he will do it. He will work it out in your life. You don't have to live that life in subjection to sin anymore because God has made it possible for you to step away from it. That's truth. That's not just wishful thinking. That's not, you know, religion. That's truth. The day you got saved, he broke sin's power in your life. The question is, do you want to walk away from it or do you want to hold on to it? gives us two things that we're supposed to cleanse ourselves from. First of all, we're to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh. Do you know that there are certain things that have no place in the Christian life and lost people know it? They just know it, don't they? Lost people can tell you what what you are not allowed to do. Have you ever had somebody come and say, but you're not allowed to drink, are you? Uh, But you're not allowed to do that. Uh, they know it. People, people know there are certain things that are wrong. They may do them, but they know that you shouldn't be doing them. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a strange deal uh, where people can come and, uh, and talk to you about what you're not allowed to do. You see, they understand what sometimes we fail to understand, that our Christianity makes a difference. Our Christianity makes a difference. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the uh, that un- the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. I don't need to explain that list to you. What it's talking about is talking about moral sin. It's talking about immorality. It's talking about immorality in a world that's gone crazy with immorality. I talked to a teenager this week, and his father told him that pornography was perfectly normal and that everybody did it, men and women included. And I'm looking at this poor kid, and I'm thinking, where does he go from there? Pornography is not okay. Moral immorality is not okay in any form. The Bible says it's not. And if you disagree with the Bible, what you're going to find is you're going to find the hard way that the Bible is right. It's wrong. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you. Uh, it's going to cost you. And wh- what our passage is saying, what Paul is saying there, is he's saying, listen, these people, b- believers don't do these kind of things. Now, you're going to say, okay, hang on a minute. Well, I've done some of those things. Does that mean I'm not a believer? No, that means you acted out of character. Or that you acted out of who you are in Christ that you did something that was in opposition to who you really are in your core. You did something that shouldn't be done by a believer. And you can do it. doesn't mean you're going to hell. What he's saying is, you know, listen, these people, this this is not what what a Christian is like, right? Uh, Nor thieves, nor covetous. You know what amazes me? Again and again when I read these lists in the Bible, covetousness, covetousness comes in there. Now, okay, I mean, I can understand adultery. I can understand uh, thieving, even. I can... Un- but covetousness? Yeah, big deal with God. 
You're desiring things that are not yours. You, you're going after things. You're living that covetous lifestyle. God says, don't be covetous. <clears throat> I'll take care of you. <clears throat> We're not to live covetously. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says, <clears throat> you're not supposed to be coveting. You're not supposed to be coveting the things of this world to meet the need in your soul because they can't. They won't. They never can. The things in themselves are not wrong, but you can't expect them to meet the things, uh, meet the need in your soul. The only thing that you're going to meet the need in your soul is your loving Heavenly Father, who's for you through and through, right? <clears throat> nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And look what the next verse says. And such were some of you. He's talking to the Corinthian people. Listen, they, Corinth was a wicked place. We, we tend to think our, our age is the most wicked age that's ever been, and it has some things go, uh, uh, going on that, that, that do lend to wickedness. But do you know the current was a horrifically wicked place? And you know what Paul did in this horrifically wicked place? He preached the gospel. And you know what happened? People got saved. People got saved and got changed, but some of them hung on to their past. That's what he's talking about there. He's saying, such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now listen, <clears throat> here's the reality. You may have sin like we're looking at here going on in your life, the, the filth of the flesh going on in your life, right? Listen, wake up. You don't have to live like that anymore. Because the Spirit of God paid the price for your sin. That's what you used to be, but you're not that anymore. And you need to live according to what God wants you to be. Because you're never going to be happy. The most miserable people in the world are Christians who won't live right. They don't have the world. They can't fellowship with the world, and they can't fellowship with Christ. They're miserable. Sometimes that's one of the warnings we should put on the gospel almost. Now listen, if you do this, if you become Christ, he's going to step into your life and take an interest in your life, and you'll never be happy in the world again. And if you don't walk and live right, you'll never be happy at all. Because that's really the way it is, because that's what you used to be. But such were some of you, but now ye are washed. Why would you take your washed self and go back to the old filth? That doesn't make sense, does it? That, that just isn't on. You know, <clears throat> listen, don't do it. The reality is that <clears throat> you've been cleansed, you've been washed, you're different. These outward sins have no part in the Christian life, and they will prevent any intimacy with the Holy Spirit. They will. Listen, he's there, he's real. If you're saved, you're born again, you're on your way to heaven. Listen, he is there and he is real. But you know what? If you're indulging in this kind of junk... You're not going to know it. You're not going to sense it. You're not going to feel it. You're not going to enjoy it. You're going to be one of those poor souls who's saying, I know, I know I'm saved because I trusted God and I saw God do things in my life, but you know what? Man, it's hard. Man, Christianity is hard. It's, it's, a, it's a drudgery. You, you can't do this and you can't do that. No, you're missing out on it because Christianity is not about what you can and can't do. Christianity is about a relationship with God. But sin, sin will come between you and that relationship and will make the lights go out and will make it dark and you will not enjoy his presence. 
What a foolish choice. You say, but pastor, it's easy for you to say on a Sunday morning in church, I've got to live it the rest of the week. Listen, the Holy Spirit will go with you the rest of the week and enable you if you let him. You can have victory. You can have power in your life to overcome these things. You don't have to live a slave to these things anymore. You can live differently. We're to cleanse ourselves from uh, the filth of the flesh, but then notice what else he says. Also from the filthiness of the Spirit. Now, <clears throat> you could get kind of happy uh, about cleansing yourself from the, <clears throat> from the filth of the flesh if you weren't involved in it, but then he kind of takes it deeper and he says, well, from the filth of the Spirit. Now, <clears throat> do you know what? That Jesus had much more success dealing with people who were involved in the filth of the flesh than he did with people who were involved in the filth of the Spirit. Because, you see, what's going on inside of you, <clears throat> what's going on in your heart, is very often what's coming between you and God. And because we're not doing it, we think, well, I'm okay. I'm not doing those things. But remember, sin always begins in the heart. Right? <clears throat> it always begins in the heart. Jesus said it. From the heart comes fornication and murder, and all those things come from the heart. That we think about them, that we, go, <clears throat> we let them roll around inside, and then eventually they work their way out in our lives. And what happens for us is we can have things on the inside, we can smile, we can wear the clothes, we can shake your hand, but inside it's all just filth. There's filth going on inside, and nobody knows about it. Now, what are we talking about? Look at Matthew uh, 23, verse 25 and 26. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here. Now, remember, we scorn the Pharisees because they're hypocrites, right? <clears throat> well, the only reason we know they're hypocrites is because Jesus pointed it out. If you lived around a Pharisee, a good Pharisee, you'd have been amazed at how holy this man was. You'd have been amazed at all that he sacrificed for his religion. You'd have looked at them and you'd have thought, whoa. Well, Jesus exposed uh, the heart. Uh, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, and the outside of them may be clean also. What did he say about the Pharisees? You know, on, on the outside, they wanted to paint a picture of how clean and nice and holy they were. But Jesus, who could see hearts, said, no, 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 look at the inside. Inside you're full of extortion and excess. How do they demonstrate? They, they, they ultimate, ultimately manifested by crucifying Christ. They put him to the cross. Why? Because he was an offense to them. Because he kept showing them up. Because he kept making them look bad. Because there was a reality about Jesus and his holiness that rang true to everybody that heard him. Never man spake like this, and they didn't have it. And so, you know what? They didn't change their hearts. What they did was they got rid of him. <clears throat> but remember, it was in their hearts. Now, can you and I, as Christians, do that? Of course we can. In fact, it's very easy for us to do it. It's very easy for us to hold on to uh, our pride. Who knows you're proud? Some people pick up signals of it, don't they? But is pride a wicked sin? 
These six things that the Lord hate. What's the first one? Pride. Seven are an abomination of them. A proud look. What do you and I have to be proud of? Absolutely nothing. Paul said, I will, <clears throat> I will not glory save in the cross. And what was he saying there when he said, I will not glory save in the cross? He was saying, I have no glory apart from a man that died on a cross to pay the price for my sins. Now, folks, that's not much personal glory for Paul, and it's not much personal glory for you or for I either. Do, do you know that the reason I am what I am, the reason I'm going to heaven, is because Jesus Christ gave himself on the cross for me? If it hadn't, if he hadn't done that, I, will, I was worthy of hell, and I would have spent an eternity paying the price for my sins there. But Jesus Christ paid the price for my sins. Let me ask you, by the way, who's paying for your sins? You saved? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Are you going to die in your sins and pay the price for them yourself? Because that's the only choice the Bible gives us. And when it comes to you understanding that Jesus paid the price for your sins, it's just simply you understanding this. I'm a sinner. I deserve punishment because of my sin. Jesus came to pay the price for sin, and he said, if I would trust him, that he would save me, and he will. If you're not saved this morning, you could get saved. You could get born again. You could transfer your sin debt from your shoulders to his. And if you don't, you'll have to pay for your sin yourself. Listen, nobody should even consider that option. If you're not saved, get saved right away. Don't keep, don't wait, don't hold on, don't, 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 don't think, well, maybe I, I got time to think about this. Listen, if you're not saved, if you're not born again, and you know you're not, listen, deal with it today. Get it sorted out. <clears throat> our pride, our legalism, our self-focus, our self-righteousness. Can we be so self-righteous? Can we think how wonderful we are? Can we look at the rest of the world and think, you know what, man, they are foolish and wicked and I'm good. Why are you good? If there's anything good in you, isn't it because of Jesus? Don't we forget that so quickly? Don't we forget that without him, there would be nothing good in us? <clears throat> Our legalism, when we seek to play the part of being right by what we wear and what we do. And, and um, <clears throat> when we seek to play a part, no, 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 those things don't make me clean. What makes me clean is the fact that I'm rightly related to him, that I'm walking with him. We need to have that clean heart, <clears throat> our bitterness. C can't we maintain the right to be bitter? That's one of the biggest problems in the church at large. Christians who are bitter, oftentimes over things that legitimately and justifiably they could say, it was wrong, that shouldn't have happened. Somebody did me wrong. But you know, you can't be bitter. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. You got to let it go. You can't be bitter. <clears throat> Morgan says this, he says, I sometimes think that the sins of the Spirit are more deadly than the sins of the flesh. Because we can hide them. 
We can pretend like those things are not affecting us. We can pretend, you know, I'm clean, I'm okay, I'm good. And we, what, what happens is we sink into a kind of a, a, a false righteousness that really is Phariseeism. We're just like the Pharisees when we do that. Oh, listen, you know what? The same truth applies to dealing with the sins of the spirit that applies to dealing with the sins of the flesh. Listen, if God can give you victory over immorality in your life, and he can, then God can give you victory over pride in your life. God can give you victory over self-righteousness in your life. God can give you victory over hypocrisy in your life. God can give you victory over bitterness in your life. God can give you victory over all those things. If you'll just come to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. That's wrong. I shouldn't be doing that. Lord, Lord, I'm willing, but I don't have the power. Would you, would you help? The Spirit of God can come in and he can give you victory in all those areas. You don't have to live a slave to sin because Jesus Christ died to break the power of sin in your life. Right? <clears throat> and then there's a maturing in holiness. <clears throat> Our passage says, having, Therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Do you know that you can mature in holiness? That you can actually mature. Sometimes I think people give up. They think, you know what, <clears throat> I'm never going to get this right. I'm never going to be able to do it. And, and I, I do understand that when you start in your Christian life, you know, it can be kind of difficult because you've got a whole new deal coming your way. And, you know, <clears throat> you, you walk a few steps and you fall and you walk a few more steps and you fall again. And, and sometimes it can get easy to give up. But do you realize that you can mature in holiness? Now, you're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. Do you realize that there's a place you can come to where it's very comfortable to walk with God? There's a place where you come to where, you know, your relationship with God is not up and down and up and down. That your relationship with God can be nice and even, can be sweet and blessed. Some of you are there, aren't you? Some of you are in that place where you walk with God and it's sweet. Oh, yeah, you, you, you'd like more sweetness. You'd like more of that relationship, and that's fine. That's a good thing. But it's sweet. It's good. It's, it's a nice thing for you to walk with God. Do you realize that you can come to that place in your life? Do you realize that it doesn't have to always be the struggle against the sins of the flesh? And it doesn't have to always be a struggle against the sins of the Spirit? That you don't have to be under the hammer all the time? That if you will yield to God and get victory, and yield to God and get victory, and yield to God and get victory, you know what? Walking with Him gets easy. Because here's what happens. The more you get rid of junk in your life and the more of him you enjoy, the less you want the junk. Because the junk just, just doesn't do it. There's more. There's better. There's this sweet relationship with the God of heaven that he wants to have with you. But he says, listen, I want it. Right Now, <clears throat> I've given you the promise. I've told you how much I want it. I will be a father unto you. I will take care of you. I will look after you. And he said, but I want you to cleanse yourself. You're not cleansing yourself for religion. You're not cleansing yourself to look good in other people's eyes. You're not cleansing yourself because you think it's a good idea. You're cleansing yourself because there's something you want and it's getting in your way. And you want to get rid of it. You want to put it behind you. Hebrews talks about us forsaking the sin that so, doth so easily beset us 
and running with patience the race that is set before us. What's it talking about? It's talking about you coming to the place in your life where you <clears throat> say, okay, I'm not giving in to this. I'm not giving in to this. I'm not giving in to this. I, I want him. I'm running towards something. And remember, there has to be an object in your running. It can't be just running because you want to be a good person. You'll never be a good person all by yourself. You'll never be a good person if that's your aim. It's you want to get rid of sin because I want him. And as you receive him and as you get more of him and as you enjoy him, the less you want sin. You see, that's the secret of the Christian life. That's why it's so different to the way I was raised. That's why it's so different to the way you were probably raised. That's, that's why it just isn't religion. Because there's a person at the end, the lovely Lord Jesus, who delights in me, wants to spend time with me, wants to fellowship with me, wants to meet the deepest needs of my heart and your heart. And if I say, yes, Lord, that's what I want to. He's going to come to me and he's going to say, well, okay, Dave, what about this in your life? And I'm going to say, well, Lord, if that's coming between you and I, I want to come. Lord, would you help me? And you know what I'm going to find? It's gone. And then he's going to come to me and he's going to say, now what about this in your life, Dave? And I'm going to say, Lord, if it comes between you and I, I want it gone. And every time I say yes, he steps in in power and enables me. And I enjoy more of him. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you were made for? Isn't that where you want to go? Are you sick and tired of sin? Are you sick and tired of the things that come between you and God? Why don't you today say, Lord, I want a gun. I'm making a choice. I want you. Lord, I don't have the power, but you do. I'm trusting you. Lord, would you take it away? And then yield to him, step by step, moment by moment. And as you enjoy him more, what you're going to find is you're going to find this maturing in him. First Peter 5.10, But the God of all grace, who hath called you unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. You know, the Christian life is the most joyful life anyone, anywhere can live. It really is. You know, now, sometimes you look at Christians, you wouldn't think that. But the Christian life is the most joyful life anyone, anywhere can live. Yes, there are tough times. Yes, there are suffering. But you know what? After the suffering, there comes establishing, strengthening, a settling. And when you come to that place, it's a sweet thing. God has great things for you. He has himself. Let's trust him for it. Let's stand for prayer. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have Alina play quietly for us. And <clears throat> what we're going to do is, I'm just going to give you a moment. Just talk to God about this thing. There's something between you and him, sins of the flesh. Listen, ask him to take it away and commit yourself to getting rid of it. Don't show it any quarter. Don't give in to it. Ask him to take it away, and you'll know his power. Sins of the Spirit, the same thing. Filth of the Spirit, the same thing. Ask him to take it away. 
Whatever it is that stands between you and him. And I have, don't have confidence in my ability to touch everybody's problem in this room, but I have confidence in the Holy Spirit. And I have confidence that he has touched you with what he wants to deal with. Just respond to him. I'll pray, and then I'll give you opportunity to do business with God. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this people. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its power in our lives. Now, Lord, we come to you today. Lord, we want all that it's possible to have of you. We want to enjoy the richness of that relationship, Lord. We yearn for it. Lord, we hunger for it. Lord, would you bless us now, Lord, where there is something that needs to be dealt with. May it be dealt with today. Lord, and Lord, would you show your might and your power in helping that one in Jesus' name. As God is dealing with you, you respond to him.